I'm April West. And I'm Katherine Sigblad. We're both first-time moms who are passionate about following our intuition and not afraid to do things differently. To say we question everything is an understatement. If you find yourself analyzing ingredient labels, searching for holistic alternatives to pharmaceuticals and routine practices, and you're curious about all things baby wearing, bed sharing, and postpartum, you will feel right at home here. In this podcast, we fearlessly confront the pregnancy, birth, and postpartum industries, share our mom hacks, and never stop challenging the status quo. We simplify the approach to motherhood and trust in nature. We are moms off the record. All right. Welcome to another episode of Moms Off the Record. It has been so long since we've been in front of the microphone, so thank you for bearing with us this summer. We are coming back with a very exciting guest. We have Nicole Cheever here from the Go Diaper Free team. Nicole, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. Yes, we're excited to talk to you as well. And hello, Kat. Hello. <laughs> it is so good to officially be back. It feels like I have just been off, off the record for yeah. months, even though it's just been a couple months. Yeah. And you've been off the you map. Know, I've been off the map. I've been all over. And it's just, it's so good to be back at home. This is one of the episodes that April and I have been so looking forward to. And mm -hmm. we got in touch with Nicole and we were chatting about the possibility of doing an episode a few months back. So this has been a long time in the making. And just so everyone knows out there, there were so many logistics that uh, all the stars had to align between Nicole's three <laughs> kids, Eden, Julian, bedtimes, three time zones, no AC. So it is just a miracle that we were all sitting down today and you guys this is gonna be juicy so yes. let's dive right in but first before we get into all things ec which stands for elimination communication nicole cheever tell us for <laughs> anyone out there who i'm sure a lots of our followers are already following go diaper free and they're even practicing ec on their own but just in case there's a few of them out there who aren't tell us a little bit about you your story your why and how you got involved with go diaper free Sure. I found out about elimination communication about 10 years before I had my first baby. So one of my best friends growing up, I was in my senior year of college. She was married and starting her family and she found out about it in a mom's group. She was doing like baby sign and attachment parenting and all of that. And I think that's, those are the kind of circles we run in that we mm -hmm. all kind of hear about it from. And I caught my first pee with her oldest daughter in her bathroom sink at about wow. she's like four months old wow. and yeah so I was hooked I was like oh yeah we're definitely doing this at the time I was also teaching dog obedience classes and it okay. reminded me a lot of clicker training I don't know if you guys know anything about that but it's you know like the cues and things like that it was very similar and I was like oh yeah you just need to get a baby a clicker and a crate and you're good to go right I'm gonna be a great mom <laughs> so, <If only. laughs> yeah right <laughs> Definitely my dog is one of my problem children, but that's another story. So fast forward 10 years, I'm starting my family and I had bought a book, Diaper Free Baby, that had a bunch of great testimonials in it about why to practice EC. But I, I was already bought in. I didn't need to be convinced why. And in the back of the book, there was a website 
and it linked right to Go Diaper Free. What I didn't know is that the owner of Diaper Free Baby had, or the CEO, had handed it over to Andrea Olson. And oh. she is now the CEO of Diaper Free Baby as well. I believe if you type in diaperfreebaby.org.com, it still goes to Go Diaper Free. And so that's a worldwide organization that kind of helped to kick her off and, and have her well-known in the EC community. And so I... I definitely knew I wanted to practice. I had tons of first time mom overwhelm. I did not start right away. It mm -hmm. actually took me going and visiting that same friend and she caught my oldest's first pee in her ah, bathroom sink. <laughs> look at Whoa. that. How cyclical life Full circle. Can be. Yeah. yeah. So that. yeah. So I was like, all right, that's it. I just needed that. You know, we just sometimes need that friend or that community. Mm -hmm. Like you got this. It does, you're overthinking it. It doesn't have to be that big of a deal. Like, let me help you. So that was that. also because she had girls and I had a boy and I was like, logistically, how do I really do this? <laughs> so yeah. Mm -hmm. so yeah, yeah. the rest is kind of history. I have three now and my youngest has done the most easy. I started her at 10 days old. Wow. And how old were they when they were officially done in diapers? So my oldest, we did some EC while he was a baby. We moved a bunch. We got way off track. We went back in diapers. He had a his first baby sister when he was only 17 months old. So I had two under two in diapers for a little while. But as soon as the pandemic hit about a month in, I looked at him and I'm like, you, you're done. <laughs> and so we did the potty training experience from Andrea's tiny potty training book. And okay. we were done with pee in like two, maybe three days. He had it down. Poop took about eight days, much to my husband's frustration <laughs> we got it so he was 28 months at that time okay. uh my second she did a little bit of you know sort of dabbling in ec and then when she was about 16 months i decided to buckle down and she was not having any of it she's a very strong-willed independent little girl and so we regrouped and we just did an early quote-unquote early tiny potty training experience with her so she was wrapped up for daytime by 18 months Nighttime, she was at daycare and we didn't do naps or night right away. And so that was about 21, 22 months, I think, which is how old my youngest is right now. She's 22 months and she's fully full-blown day and night potty independent. Wow. Uh, we wow. took away the daytime diapers for her at 13 months. I definitely could have done it earlier, but it's scary. Like even for someone like me, I was a little bit nervous. We have carpets, the whole thing. Uh -huh. and so, yeah. you know. So we wrapped her up at 13 months for daytime. And I think she was about 17 months old when we ditched the nighttime diapers. Wow. wow that's incredible. To you. Yeah. I've got some <laughs> clarifying questions just for yeah. our listeners, assuming that they don't know elimination communication versus potty training. So yes. can you get into that, that distinction and when maybe EC is no longer appropriate and potty training is? What's that? Yeah. Line? Thank you for asking that because that is a big confusion piece for a lot of people. So elimination communication, if you don't even know what that is at all, it literally is just helping your baby with their pottying needs, with their eliminating needs until they are able to do it for themselves. So I always liken it to feeding. When our babies are little, we feed them. We pay attention to when they're hungry. We decide like what they're going to eat. We, you know, help them actually get it into their bodies. And as they get older, we slowly hand over pieces of that. We start sitting them at a table, handing them spoons and forks and plates and the whole thing. So elimination mm -hmm. communication is a lot like that where we're just assisting. We're helping and we're growing them at a developmentally appropriate pace for what they can handle. 
typically EC is no longer appropriate at about 18 months. That's when mm -hmm. toddlerhood really starts to kick in. They want independence. They want mastery. They need boundaries. A lot of attachment parents and gentle parents really are attracted to EC because it feels very child-led and Montessori-style mm -hmm. parents as well. And it is, but once they hit that age, and they even do this in Montessori of about 18 months, they need to have very clear boundaries. And that's where a lot of folks, especially if they've done EC, they don't really know where to go from there once they get to that point. And it can be really hard for them to transition over to the attitude of potty training. EC mm. is like, I'm helping you. Everything's cool. Like, I'll, you know, if something doesn't make it in the potty, we have a diaper backup. It's no big deal. Potty training is like the pee in the every single time. End of story. Mm -hmm. That's it. Okay. And to a lot of folks who practice EC, that can feel really like harsh. But it's a really important distinction. And it's not a it's not a hard and fast 18 months. Like I said, my second daughter and even my third really hit that desire and really demonstrated that need to have ownership and mastery a little bit earlier than that. So I just tried to hand it over earlier. Mm -hmm. So if I may, something that I feel is really relatable about you and your story, and I love your what you say at the beginning of every Go Diaper Free episode on the podcast, which is like something like all three of my kids were, you know, out of diapers at different ages and stages, right? Something yeah, like that. I did EC and potty training at yes. different ages and stages. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's what it is. Thank you. And so that's so relatable. And I feel like not just to me, but so many moms out there because it can be so daunting. Like when you're already overburdened, especially as a new first time mom and you're working on baby led weaning and you know, speech and communication. And, oh no, like now my kid's going to be just roaming around without diapers. And I love how nuanced EC is and how it yeah. doesn't have to be so black and white. It's not all or nothing. So for example, in all transparency for the listeners out there, April and I, we are practicing EC with Julian and Eden. And, you know, some days go better than others. And I'll be the first to admit, like, is Julian, you know, in diapers sometimes? Absolutely. He's 13 months old. Do I wish I started EC and I was familiarized with Go Diaper Free like when I was pregnant instead of starting it, you know, afterwards. Yes. And mm -hmm. so with baby two, I that is my goal. I want to start EC immediately, like with the the mm -hmm. tiny uh, top hat potty. But also just an observation. And I was talking with my mom about this the other day. She said that when I started nursery school at two years old, it, this was back in 1992, by the way, that it was pretty much mandatory across the majority of nursery schools for kids at two to be not EC'd, but fully potty trained. Yeah. Because teachers, you know, even for two year, little two-year-olds, they don't want to be cleaning up poopy diapers. Sorry, moms out there. Mm -hmm. But, <laughs> and you know, I know of people now where it's the new normal, so to say in quotes, where your kid is in diapers for poop, like during mm. the day, three onward. So one of my personal, like my why, my motivation is I don't want that for my son, ideally. And we know that from lower income countries or even before diapers, it was normal for kids to be totally out of diapers way younger than two. That was the norm. So my yep. question, Nicole, for you, before we go into the whole industry and some corruption behind mm -hmm. that, my, my question is, what do you think has changed in the last 20 or 30 years? Like, why was it mandatory for kids to be out of diapers when they, when they were two? And now we see kids in diapers until they're four or five. It, you know, and it's even later. I recently came across an article that is talking about parents sending nine, 10, 11 year olds <gasps> to school with no. a diaper. 
I'm not even kidding. I'll try and find it and I'll send it to you guys because they're just not totally reliable. They're not, they, we have this like fear. The worst thing that could ever happen to us or our child is an accident. Like it's, it's like worse than death. And so these parents and these kids, and, and we will definitely get into that with, when we talk about the industry stuff, but really that's it. It's the diaper industry. There's a couple things at play because you're right. Even in, I, I'm an 85 baby. And my mom said at two years old, you know, I had been potty trained during the day, but she'd put me in a diaper for nighttime and I was standing there at my crib talking and she heard me stop. And she heard the pee hit my diaper and she goes, did you just pee in your diaper? And I said, yep. And she was like, that's it. You're done. Right. Yeah. So that attitude wow. I was talking about the like, nope, clear line. You're done. You clearly get this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she helped raise her three younger siblings. Like they did cloth diapering in the 1950s, something like 92% of children mm-hmm. were done by 18 months, fully mm-hmm. potty trained in the U.S. by 18 months. And when the disposable diapers came out, they were really unpopular. They were called paper diapers at the time. People didn't want to put paper against their baby's skin. And so in an effort to popularize them, there was a pediatrician, T. T. Barry Brazelton, Mm -hmm. who was hired by Pampers. And he wrote many, many, many articles. But one of them specifically was talking about how you had to wait for readiness. That whole readiness concept has like snowballed and exploded. And you can watch, if you look at data, you can see the average age of potty training growing and growing and growing over the last couple of decades, last 60 years or so. And Mm -hmm. so that's really it. It's a combination of the invention of these disposable diapers for convenience, which by the way, most people use incorrectly. (laughs) I'll tell you about that too. But the other part of it is this, these pediatricians and the psychology and this misled understanding that potty training can be damaging to your child. Now, of course, anything we do to our children, if we do it a certain way, we could potentially damage them or, you know, they could have issues that they need to deal with later in their life. But those are the two things that have caused now, I believe the average age of potty training is like 38 months, which means there are kids who are younger potty trained, but they're also still, like you said, five-year-olds walking around wearing diapers full-time. I just want to say one quick thing on that, and then I have a few follow-up questions, as I'm sure April does too. So briefly, <laughs> when I was 19 years old, and so I went to school in New York City for college, and when I was for extra cash on the side, I was often nannying or babysitting. I had a super brief gig in the Hamptons for a very well-off, kind of well-known family. It only lasted a few days. This family was so dysfunctional. I'm not going to name names. It was bad. But the five-year-old who was not at all special needs, like so they're throwing like private tutors and like Mandarin instructors and, you know, all different Mm -hmm. kinds of instruments at these kids, except, you know, it's ironic. The kids, they're in diapers when they're five, like in the daytime, full time. And I remember I wasn't given a heads up on that when I signed up for Mm -hmm. the job. And I was like, whoa, I've never even changed a five-year-old's diaper. I was used to changing newborn diapers. And that to me, even though I was so far away from my motherhood journey at 19 years old, I knew in that moment that like, these parents going to their galas every single night instead of dedicating time to teaching their kids how to wipe their own butt, there's a, a huge disconnect there. It's yeah. the opposite mm-hmm. of attachment parenting. Absolutely. Yeah. I think there was something that you said to Nicole at the jump of all of this, which just hit a chord in my heart, is that 
accidents are the worst thing that can happen to our children because we've grown up in this culture of we're striving for perfection and we we lack humility these days. So we have to be the best of the best and we have to be like super ready and it's super competitive. Yeah. But like I think the the element of attachment parenting and maybe it's not even attachment parenting, maybe it's gentle, whatever but embracing mistakes and celebrating mistakes because mistakes are the stepping stones to learning something. And I think that's what I love about EC so much is like, and we've talked about this before when I think Eden was like four or five months and it's like, shoot, we really got, I was telling Kat, we really got to read the the EC book. Like we just really got to read it (laughs) and we just got to really figure it out so we can start. And it was after a podcast of, Andrews, I listened to, and it was like, you just start by just trying the four easy catches, right? Just like anytime they're out of a carrier, just hover them over a toilet and see what happens. And it was the approach that seemed very gentle, which is sometimes is okay. It's better than no time. And they'll, they'll learn it over time. So I really love that you called out the the culture of making mistakes is like the worst thing today because it's really not. And it, yeah, and it's something that so many people that I work with struggle with. And it's it's like it's this kind of cycle breaking thing, right? Like my husband and I still deal with on a daily basis this concept of like our children not actually being an extension of us and not actually being some kind of like depiction of our capability or our worth as parents. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know where that came from. I don't know if that's our parents' generation or what it is, but there's something about being out in public and other people looking at your child and you're this just like gripping fear that they think I'm a bad parent or, and you might not even recognize it, but that's the big thing, right? Is like, I cannot let people see my child X, Y, Z. And the crazy thing to me is parents would rather let strangers see their child at five years old walking around in a diaper. You can tell they're wearing a diaper. You can see Or it. letting strangers be the ones who accompany your children to the toilet or handle their diaper right. changes. Like in today's day and age, I even set boundaries of family members can't change Eden's diaper just for, God forbid, something, you know, were to come up or happen. And yeah. so that is even scarier to me than Eden shedding her pants in public as a five-year-old yeah and then when you're that five-year-old you have memories it's not like when you're a year and a half you don't know who changed your diaper a year and a half so imagine the memory that you're going Mm. to internalize you're five you're spread legged god knows what Mm. and you have a i don't know a daycare person changing your butt wiping your butt i mean not only that but like how your parents are reacting if you did have an accident Mm -hmm. you know and like the shame and the embarrassment and everything around that just like our kids don't need that like I said there are ways to damage your children and potty training ain't it like it shouldn't be let's let's talk about that because we do often hear from the other side like you know that it's it's traumatic if you're trying to like force potty training on your kids too soon it's traumatic Mm -hmm. can you just like directly dispel that myth of why it is not traumatic it's the opposite so my my first question when I hear this is always like, what are you envisioning? Like, what are you picturing we're doing? Are you thinking we're strapping children to potties and like forcing suppositories up them? Because that's what it sounds like. And yeah, absolutely. That's gonna be traumatic. Don't ever do that to your child. But this concept 
was, I believe, the original article, and I can send that to you guys too if you want it. The original article that Brazelton wrote was talking about the need mm. for signs of readiness. And I don't think he ever said in there, like, you're going to damage your kid or you're going to scar them for life. It was that, you know, encouraging parents that if you want to be the most successful, then you need to wait for X, Y, Z to happen before you start the potty training process. And the one that's hung on the most, of course, is, quote, showing interest. Mm -hmm. uh, and that one cracks me up because almost every child shows interest the day they're like, I don't want you to change my diaper. And they're like, roll, you know, the alligator roll. Yeah, but we exactly. Go, we go, you're, you're 12 months old. That can't be possible. You're not trying. Or, the, you know, they have older siblings and they're like checking out the potty at 14 months. They're showing interest and parents are like, that, that can't, they're too young. That can't be it. And then by the time they're two, they're like, I don't, I don't want to do that. That's hard work. I'd much rather stay with my diaper. So he harped on this whole readiness thing and it just kind of like snowballed. And now you have people writing opinion pieces and studies being done of the effects, like whether or not children are born incontinent. You have nurses and doctors who went through residency and all this stuff actually telling parents that their child's sphincter doesn't work at birth. And that to well, me is like the corruption. most insane <laughs> thing. And it's because you've got these like faulty studies happening. And, you know, obviously like every scientific study comes with strings. Somebody's got to fund it. Um, right. And so the, the diaper companies do a bunch of that. And then you've got kids with something called encopresis, which is like chronic medical constipation because mm. They've, and I don't want to shame any parents who have gone through this because you don't know what you don't know. And we half the time are learning our parenting from like YouTube and TV and stuff mm -hmm. at this rate. But there are parents out there who struggle so much with this give and take and this pull of like, they want independence, but I need to help them and I need to be gentle. And they start like giving the diaper back for poops. And then the children hold it for so long that they actually, it can be a medical emergency. Oh, it's gosh. terrifying. And then you get the people and the doctors who say people like us who practice EC are causing that when re in reality, the data shows that it's not the EC that causes constipation or UTIs or any of those issues. It's the confusion. It's the power mm. struggles. That's one of the reasons that 18 month mark is so important. Your child's not going to struggle for power with you usually before then, yeah. unless they're a real go-getter. Wow. And yeah. that power struggle is what's going to going to cause the issues. They can hold their pee longer than, than you can hold your will. So yeah, it's Ooh. just so really scary. About that, you know, it would appear just, and also common sense would kind of tell us that the older a child is and still in diapers full time, the harder it is going to be to get them out of diapers, right? Absolutely. There's a direct portion. What kind of consolation can we offer for parents out there who, you know, wish they did things another way, but now it's like, whoop, now my kid's three, four, five, six, still in diapers. Like, obviously this is an uphill battle, but what realistically can be done? Like, what does that protocol look like to fully get those older kids potty trained? There is absolutely still help for those folks. Absolutely. Yes, in a sense, it's harder. It's more like emotionally harder for those kids. Yeah. And that's where it's that like power struggle comes in. Absolutely. It's a comfort object at this point. And that was a little bit at play when I, it took us eight days to get my son's poop in the potty. You know, he's used to having this diaper right up next to his skin. It sounds gross to us, but you know, it's warm. It's right next to his skin. The poop's right there. He knows where it is. And now he's sitting over this cavernous bowl. Mm -hmm. And part of him is like falling into it, you know, yeah. like you can kind of understand where kids would get freaked out by that. 
And so it's a, it's kind of a part of April, what you touched on where like the mistakes are these stepping stones Mm -hmm. in potty training, especially the older the kid is having accidents is so important, especially right early on, because if they don't, you know, if you heard of parents like putting kids on the potty, like every 20 minutes, right? Yeah. Hovering. Again, they're afraid. They're so afraid of that pee on the floor. So I always try to encourage parents, the pee on the floor, at least in the first couple of days, we don't want it to last forever. But in the first couple of days, you want the pee on the floor because otherwise your child doesn't understand how to control their body. You're controlling them still. Yeah. So that's really where the struggle is. But as far as like, can it be done? Absolutely, it can be done. The tiny potty training book and that method that Andrea has, it's similar to some other methods out there, but she cut out all the junk. Like, Mm -hmm. and she'll reference a couple of the other methods. But number one, for those parents, don't, don't fly by the seat of your pants. Like, give yourself a break. You you didn't know how to do this coming into parenting. We don't live in villages and community. You didn't grow up helping younger kids learn how to use the potty. So yeah. give yourself a break. Get a, get a plan in place. Get your support system and your resources ready. And then steal your nerves because your kid might throw the biggest, most epic potty meltdown you've ever seen in your entire life like they might go Mm -hmm. absolutely nuclear over not being able to use the diaper anymore and most of us attachment and gentle parents see that and we're like i'm hurting my child yeah and that's where we want to like give the diaper back and that's really where it gets hard every time you give the diaper back you tell your child i didn't mean it just kidding like i'm not confident about this so how could they be confident about you know exactly and so that's that power struggle so it you really gotta like steal your nerves and be ready to just be that safe space for them. Mm-hmm. That is a tenant of gentle parenting and attachment parenting right. is being that safe harbor in their epic storm of, I know you hate this. Like you've done this all your life. You don't want Nobody wants to change. What if yeah, someone told you like, right. Oh, that cell phone, you can't have it anymore. Yeah. I'm just going to take it from you. I'm not going to give you an explanation. You know, like how would you yeah. feel? Yeah. And so like, it it's gonna happen and you just have to be ready for it you want to have the support you know the tiny potty training and go diaper free books come with our free online support community coaches like me are in there all the time helping other parents and so you gotta give yourself a pep talk find where to get the pep talk and and just move forward don't go back yeah biggest mistake is going back so the even if your kid is six and in diapers even if you tried potty training before and you quote failed but this goes it. to this goes to why EC is so important as early as possible. And you and and Andrea and everyone who's a part of the EC community talks about literally day one. Mm-hmm. Like your newborn baby is capable of being EC'd. And this challenge of having older kids and having the potty meltdowns is just more reason to start EC early. And I find it aligns to the gentle and attachment style parenting because it forces you to be super attuned to your baby because it's all about responding to their cues before they can signal. They'll give you the signs. And so that requires intention, that requires focus, that requires proximity, which are all those elements that we love about gentle and attachment style parenting. So Yeah. And a lot of people think like to practice ETC, you have to be home with your babies all day. You absolutely do not. Like I'm a huge advocate for part-time EC and we live in a modern (laughs) world. Like we're realistic here. We're not, you know, Yeah. you still... 
this is one of the reasons Andrea called it go diaper free. That's the goal. But you don't start day one and you're just like, no, I'm never buying a single diaper diaper free. I mean, you can if you want. Go ahead. But you you have a diaper as a backup. You can even if you are only catching like one pee or poop a week, even your child is familiar with the potty. You're saving diapers. You are you know, connecting with them because you're communicating. That C is so important in elimination communication. It Mm -hmm. is a two-way street. You're learning their signals. They're learning to trust you just like anything else, like feeding, sleeping, any other baby care. So the part-time EC still gives you all of the benefits and you can still use diapers for the car, Mm -hmm. for your carpets, for the in-laws, whatever. So I'm, Mm -hmm. I always really push for that because I really wish I was hearing that as a first-time mom. I'm, recovering perfectionist. And (laughs) like you said, even with my youngest, even after I'd done EC, I didn't start at birth. It was cuckoo in our house with two other kids. It took me 10 days. And I finally looked at my husband. I'm like, let's let's just do it. I'm just going to, let's just try it. But Nicole, that's only 10 days. I bet there's so many moms (laughs) that are like, it took four months with my first. Amazing. You know, we didn't really, exactly. I didn't really honestly start this. Like I had the books. I had all the gear when Julian was, I don't know, maybe four months, five months, but I was so overwhelmed with doing so many other projects. And I was like, oh, I'll get to that. And then time flies you're like wait a second I need to be see and then when you like catch your first poop or pee and granted again it's not a consistent thing it's like whenever we can sometimes it's once a day sometimes it's twice a day it's you you actually mentioned this and it resonated with me you mentioned it's on an episode I was listening to where it's like you have such a high when you catch that first yeah first catch high (laughs) and it's such a confidence booster for mom or whichever caregivers you know catching that poop like I've been trying with my mom Julian's grandma and that's been really fun and it's fun to get family on board friends on board so let me ask you this because in our community at least of like the crunchy mom community I'm sure you and Andrea experienced some similar things moms who parent differently, it's very easy for them to feel shamed. And our intention is never to shame others. It's to empower. And unfortunately, sometimes by sharing facts and data and information, people do feel shamed or like, oh, I I should have done things differently. So, you know, how would you say that moms who are pro-EC or practicing EC today with their young babies, how can they continue to practice that but like without shaming moms who maybe have their kids in diapers till they're three or four, what are your best tips there? You know, I think trying to put yourself in their shoes is the number one best thing to do, especially like if you're like me and you had kids in diapers full time, you can remember what that was like. You can remember how overwhelming the thought of doing anything else was. And so I always just come at it for a very educational standpoint and like, this is what I'm doing. This is what works for me and my family. I welcome questions. You know, if you want to learn a little bit more about it, I'm totally happy to share, but I'm never telling anyone, oh, you should X, Y, Z. Mm-hmm ever. Like, I don't know. I don't know your family. I don't know your life. I don't know, you know, what struggles you might be having, whether it's, you know, familial or financial or psychological, whatever. I don't know. And so I know we're all just doing the best we can. I personally, I do have, you know, some like EC regrets, like not starting early with my first. And I love what Andrea always says. She says, you know, you couldn't have started earlier. If you're like, oh, I should have, I could have done that. I could have done that. No, you couldn't. If you could have, you would have. Mm-hmm. Great point. 
So there's just no room for this shaming, whether it's for other people or ourselves. There's just no room for it. It doesn't help us move forward. It's not productive at all. No. No. And, And just because, like, you see a mom over here who's got this amazing, you know, link with her baby because they've been so connected and she's home with with the baby and they're practicing EC and all these things doesn't mean you can't have a piece of that. It's like the part-time thing. Like it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You can still get a piece of that pie. It's never too late. It's not a zero sum game. You can start today. Like you said, let's just just take the diaper off. Just try yeah. it. You yeah. can absolutely do one small thing today to start building that connection. Mm-hmm. And have that amazing, beautiful relationship with your child and have that added trust that you're not just going to help them with their sleep needs and their comfort needs and their feeding yeah. needs. You're going to help them with the toilet too. You're going to have that added bonus of this toilet's not the scary brand new thing at three years old. So, right. And it's- the flushing, like I make sure to flush <laughs> yeah. while Eden's on there as a baby so she's not freaked out by it later when yeah. she like I, I keep her seated on there and flush yeah. or i let her pull the handle it, just to be like yeah. yeah we really annoying they just like now and <laughs> while we don't want to shame moms who don't know about ec or don't trust the process or whatever it is one of the things that cat and i love to do is just buck against the industry That typically (laughs) has really deep claws into moms and babies. And this one was, I can't remember what episode it was of the the Go Diaper Free podcast, but this one was one of my favorites where we talked about that corruption. And you had mentioned Brazelton and the article he did in Pediatrics. What I thought was bonkers was that he then went to be the chairman of the Pampers Parenting after getting that industry up to what, like $57 billion? Something totally insane. Something yeah. completely wild. He was so on their was, board forever. I A quote pediatrician, and I even want to like quote the article because <laughs> when I looked at the article, I'm like, where's the fucking research? It's, it's, a, it's like, an opinion it's piece. It's less than a page. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's no, and I'm like, where the fuck is the article? But anyway, once that was in the hands of, the pediatricians and all of that. It's like, okay, no diapers are okay. And to your point, the research shows that babies were pottying between six and 12 months back in the fifties. And then even up until like the late eighties, early nineties, it was that time frame. Yeah. It depended like where you were like socioeconomically, like how Mm -hmm. far those tendrils had gotten. Yeah. But I also, some other like super compelling things that I had never even thought of about the paper diaper industry is that the CDC actually tells us that you're not supposed to dispose of poopy diapers before (laughs) you're supposed to like clear off the turds of the diaper before you throw them away. And this was, it says it on the package. Nobody Nobody does that. that. Let's be real. It says it yeah. on the package. Nobody knows that, by the way. No, no they don't. It, so, yeah, people, we don't we don't read. We ha- There's something in our life that we're just so familiar with, right? We don't even, like, pick it up to, like, read the details. It says it on the package of every pack of disposable diapers that you're supposed to dispose of the human waste in it, like, just flip it up out into a toilet before you dispose of the diaper. And this was actually a big sticking point for one of my friends who 
can't stand the idea. So every single disposable diaper that's ever been invented still exists, except for in recent years, the compostable diapers. But still, most of those take like 70 years to break down, the compostable Mm -hmm. ones. But Mm -hmm. it's like five hundred or something crazy like that and we know plastic doesn't break down it gets just smaller but my friend was like this idea of my child's like basically like their genetic material (laughs) and it's now Mm -hmm. out of my control you know so that just really creeped her out but yeah you're supposed to like empty them Mm -hmm. into the potty so that's the, the one way that people don't use them correctly and number two was up until the diapers started to get really big the diaper itself, like cloth diapers, have been available commercially for like uh, over a hundred years, I think. Mm-hmm. They, it was not a toilet. It's right. not supposed to be a toilet. It is. So when we call shift? it a backup. So that, pro- that most likely shifted in in the sixties. Marketing in mm-hmm. marketing from marketing. the diapers because it's convenient like, it's okay. yeah yep. you're, you're a working mom you're too busy you're too busy to do that you know or or you're you've got your kids you don't have time to be washing those cloth women's liberation so. yes yeah. i was gonna yeah. say in the, in the 50s right the, the woman was the homemaker you know she was she was baking and washing the kids Right. And then the sexual and female liberation movement, right? We see some shifts in the 70s. We see a lot of women entering the workforce full time. Yet, to your point earlier, you know, like you said, you still can get a piece of that pie of what it's like if you were at home full time with your kids and you're able to EC them. So, you know, yes, women are in the workforce and it is harder granted to like full-time EC your kids, but that doesn't mean you can't do it in the morning and before bed, right? And on the we weekends, have what so about the many weekends? listeners? We have so many listeners who have great success doing part-time. Because again, you're just, you're introducing the concept, you're making that connection, you're, you're associations, yeah. you're building that bridge of and everything from the get-go. It doesn't have to be full-time. Are you, is your child not going to learn to talk if you're not at home with them full day? talking to them all day long but they're still gonna learn how to talk so you don't have to be i mean let's be serious i'm home with my kids all day long and i still use backups i still i always talk about how when my oldest started pk last year like i intentionally would miss the breakfast pee like we do the wake up pee we'd all go downstairs she'd be on a play mat or in one of those little like bouncer things to hang out while i got the older kids breakfast and i'd hear her tell me she had to pee and i'd be like go in your diaper or wait or what you know sorry yeah. you know you're going to that's it's modern life like mm-hmm. even when you are home full time i don't know how women did it back then they probably were drowning also but oh my gosh yeah <laughs> but i think to yeah. your point you said an important element of ec success is building your community and i think it's also about getting on the same page of with your partner yeah if it's your Good husband time. or the other caregiver for example i work from home my husband works from home but we have a nanny as well because can't do both right. and we i was really intimidated to tell her about elimination communication when Eden was six months. I was like, she's going to think I'm so weird. But I I told her the concept. I told her about the dark industry of like the diaper industry <laughs> sucks and wait till you learn about this. And Dr. And, Nathan Nanny. Yeah. Well, and so she like loved it. She's a diamond in the rough for real. But she went on to catch one of Eden's early peas. And we both celebrated that like it was – 
it was just so like it was her first step right because we know what the high feels like for us but then for the nanny to be a part of it and then you know there was also some some failures where she (laughs) literally was covered in eating shit trying to catch a poop real time (laughs) so that happened too and we thought that was awesome and making sure my husband was on board so I think it's also about like even extended family too. Kat, you're you're yeah. working with your mom. Yeah. Um, so grandmas, everybody Dads and grandpas, them on board. Yeah. Dads and grandpas love not having to clean crap off a baby's butt. Mm-hmm. You tell them there won't be any okay. blowouts and they're like, ooh, tell me more. Like, yeah. e- like every dad I've ever met. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So we know from the podcast and from the Instagram page, like the four easy catches when we're we're thinking about ECs, like anytime we're doing a diaper change, anytime we're getting in and out of a carrier, when they wake up from naps, during feeding or after feeding, what are some of the pitfalls that moms fall into to, to have a successful EC relationship so our moms can avoid those? Trying to catch all the easy catches. So the easy catches, mm. if they're not feeling easy, backpedal a little bit, like lay off. It's, right. it's not, you have to catch every wake up pee. That's not easy. Like I said, you know, my kiddo was signaling very clearly to me and I was like, you have a diaper on. This is why we're doing this. So do not try to catch everyone. And not just like from a sanity standpoint, but also I give the example of like, I'm running errands with my kid. And so we pee before we get in the car and I live five minutes away from the store. I'm not going to potty her as soon as I get out of the car seat. She doesn't have to go yet. And mm-hmm. offering will cause that resistance. So like, just mm-hmm. use, use your discretion, use your common sense with that. And that's, that's where that overthinking, that fear can really kind of creep in. And you also don't have to practice easy in public. You can. I absolutely, I love it. I actually do better with it because I think a little bit of that fear is still there. So I like pay more attention. Mm-hmm. But yeah, don't, don't catch, don't try to catch every single easy catch. That's a really big one. Don't count your catches or your dirty diapers. Like, mm, again, the C. Did is you just say it's not a competition? It's not a competition. Okay. That's important to hear because, you know, there are some people are just very competitive by nature, especially if you have other siblings or relatives or friends with, you know, babies of the same age. It can be a loving competitiveness. Like, hey, did you try this yet? No, like, but we tried this. But, you know, it's just human nature. So that's so important. And it keeps us humble, you know? Yes, Mm -hmm. it so does. Yeah. Even like, I love that Andrea is so real with what she shares. So she just had Marilyn, her sixth baby. And they like didn't catch anything for like the first three days of her life. She was mm-hmm. so frustrated. She's like, even Andrea, as chill as she is, she's like, I'm supposed to be like the leader of this movement. Yeah. And I can't even catch a darn thing. What is wrong with me? So, yeah. but she very openly shared that. And I think that's so important to see because we have this view of people, right? Oh, Nicole and Andrea, the like expert. they catch everything. Yeah. No, I've had to clean poop out of my They're carpets. perfect. Like, don't <laughs> even, not even. <laughs> no, I like that so, a lot because yeah, even Kat yeah. and I will have conversations. I'll be like, I caught two of Eden's poops today. And she's like, damn it. How are you doing that? Like I haven't yeah. done that. And then when I don't, like you said, don't catch every morning pee. When I don't catch a morning pee, like my day's 
ruined. You're bummed out. I get <laughs> it. <laughs> you don't have your high for the day. Yeah, exactly. Hearing no, ourselves out loud, people must be like, these ladies are so Those weird. Cats. They're talking about catching no. morning peas. But it's like, this is our life. Like, we live for this stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay, so continuing with some of the common pitfalls, this is extremely yeah. helpful. And then I want to do a little bit of tactical troubleshooting, too, because I'm sure a lot of moms who are trying this, they might be hitting some walls. And oh, yeah. I'm one of them. And so, okay, what, what are some other pitfalls we can proactively so, get ahead of? The not, the not counting. It's not, it's definitely not a competition. It's not going to be the same every day. Absolutely. Like being willing to go backwards. So I talk about how the moment I was like, yeah, I haven't had a poopy diaper in like eight months. All of a sudden my daughter was stealth pooping. <laughs> I yes. was like not catching anything. And they, they're just, they have all these leaps. They have all this brain development. They have all this like, you know, motor development and everything throughout their first several years of life, but especially in like the first two years of life that people will, you know, we have this idea as adults with fully developed brains that we're like, we have to go this way. There's no going back. We're going this way. And Mm. we start to hit these rough patches. And that's when we do say rely on your easy catches, but we also just say, go back, go back to basics. Like don't, don't hold like today to yesterday's standard just because you caught every poop in the potty yesterday doesn't mean you're going to do it today and that's not backwards it's not a failure so I guess I don't know if I should say like yes be willing to go back to basics is really what it is not necessarily I think it's about reframing yeah Taylor Kulik had a, a sleep course and I just was desperate for it and she the way she reframed sleep regression at four months or six months, she called it sleep progression because you yes. think about the stretching of the brain and the firing of all these new things, these motor developments. And so regression is really just a a sign of progress in your baby's growth and development. So framing that was like, oh yeah, sleep progression. So it could be the same with EC. Because yeah, I'm and- experiencing that now too with with Eden, we were we were on a roll, and now I put her on the potty, and she's like, "Planking, no. yeah," and she's like, "Get me off this thing," and I'm like, "What the hell, girl? We we were mastering this, but I think she's just going through one of those progression periods." And that and that's it right there. Every single parent that goes through that, they're like, "What happened?" And it's yeah, like, the baby's growing. Yeah. That's what happened. Um, you know, we were doing fine. Nothing changed. We were doing fine, and that's exactly it. it used to be called a potty strike. And we or potty yes. regression, and now we call them potty pauses. Mm-hmm. Like they're just taking a matter. break for a little mm-hmm. while. They'll get back mm-hmm. to it, and it's almost always a signal to the parents that they are ready for more ownership. Because mm. what I talked about earlier, right, is that you know, like feeding, you're you're slowly handing these things over. There are still parents who are like, my baby's one and a half, and I'm not ready to give them the spoon, you know, or whatever example. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same with going potty is we have a lot of EC parents who who try to stretch EC way longer than it really naturally goes. One, because they either don't really know what to do from there. They don't know how to wrap it up. But two, they've just like held on too long to that control to the, well, we're not having accidents and this is working. So let's do it this way. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I always tell new parents. I'm like, and you guys know this, like the moment you get used to one routine, they'll change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Absolutely. the new routine is not worse. It's not bad. It's good. It's that progression, like you said, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just if you're hanging on with this death grip to like how we used to do things. And my my husband, bless his heart, he's 
worked so hard on this, but he's very like that, like mechanical mind where he's like, mm-hmm. this is, you know, problem A gets fixed with solution mm-hmm. B. Like, this is how we do this. And I'll have to remind him sometimes. I'm like, that doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, your brain. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it did work. You're right. And it was so great when it did. We have to find a new solution. It's a new problem. And he's like, oh, yeah. yeah. Let's go. That. Each thing's interesting. Yeah, totally. Now, I want to talk about a couple of common things. I'm sure a lot of moms are experiencing. I'm one of them. I think about this a lot. Now, I'm sure you have an, a podcast episode on this already, but for context, we talk about the four easy catches. One of them is transitions, right? In and out of yeah. seats or carriers. So what I try to do is offer the potty to Julian before and or after, ideally, of course, after. Remind me how old he is now. He is almost 13 months. Oh, yeah. Almost 13 months. Yep. And so here's the thing, though. The poops always come during, like, eating when he's in the high chair, right? So now the poop's all over him, right? The tiny potty's far away. But also after we put him in the car seat and we're already on the road, right? So what about those times where it's just so like, because here's the thing, I know the diaper is the backup, so I'm not so concerned about that, but how do we get from point A to point Z of, okay, we're going to time this right so the poop doesn't happen as soon as I put you in the car seat or in the high chair? How does that happen? Like the transition. That is so super common. And yes, we do have a podcast episode on it. And it's, you think about it, they're in a seated position. And especially since he's familiar with the potty, he's been using it, that cues his body in in a seated position and being relaxed. They're like, oh, I can let my bowels go now. And so the car seat and the high chair are super duper duper common points, like locations where they'll want to poop. That's like Mm -hmm. every baby. And so if you say we're to, be trying to ditch your daytime diapers now. You're trying to get all the poops and peas in the potty. We have to kind of use that to our advantage. What it's telling me is when he is on the potty, he's not quite getting relaxed enough as he mm. or not as relaxed as he is in the car seat or the high chair. And that could be for a number of factors. Like maybe you've got books and toys and it's just too exciting. Maybe he's actually needing a little bit of privacy that can start as early as six months. And it doesn't always wow. look like arching. It can just be like, nope, shop's mm-hmm. closed. Um, And so like, instead of like hanging out and trying to be there, this is me, right? Oh, I'm here to help you. Let's go. And it's yeah. Like, I don't want to be stared at when I'm pooping. So, you know, put your hair in the mirror. Sometimes you can do a little like, we have a potty chair right kind of in a corner next to the tub. And so the shower curtain can kind of come down and be like a little privacy curtain and like a little, like a little peekaboo game. You know, there's a variety of different things you can do. And it doesn't mean like I'm shutting you in the bathroom and walking away, but literally even just like physically turning your body away a little bit rummaging in a drawer calling the dog in whatever it is can give Mm. them that kind of like oh I don't have somebody staring me down right now yeah so playing with that and then using the high chair and the and the car seat to your advantage I mean does he is it like always during lunch my second would always poop during dinner usually first thing in the morning so it's like a breakfast sometimes lunch but it's always once a day every day usually in the morning I know people I think this is where people really think I'm gross we when she was like 18 months we had I have the trip trap chairs they can like get in and out of and we had a potty chair right there in the corner of the dining room and she would go and take a dinner poop (laughs) 
Because some parents who do more traditional potty training, they insist that like, oh, if you have the tiny potty, it, it should always be in a bathroom so that kids associate going to the bathroom, like sitting on the toilet in the bathroom. Can you talk about the philosophy of why that might not be so necessary and why like it's so great to have the tiny potty that's portable you can bring in any room? The end result is yes, we need to poop in in the bathroom. But your child is smarter than like a dog. And so they can learn to make that transition. And a lot of children, especially in the toddler years, they're number one, either so focused on what they're doing, they don't necessarily like remember and key into their their own bodies that they have to go potty. And so having that is like literally a physical reminder, like a visual reminder that like, oh, yeah. I do have that full feeling in my belly. Maybe I should go and sit on that thing. The other thing, like my oldest really struggled with breaking away. He's got sticky brain. He's like, no, 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 I got to finish this. Mm. And going all the way to the bathroom can feel like way too far. Like my out of sight, out of mind, my toys are going to disappear. And so having it right there where you're literally like, no, dude, you just have to walk two feet and you can still keep a Hawkeye on your toys so your sisters don't get them. Like right there. But yeah, no, that I get that. And that's like I said, it, it can be it can be a gross out factor for people. But I literally have like a giant collection of potties. I like that's one of my favorite things to find at a thrift store. And when <laughs> we're getting diapers, have, oh gosh, I have at least five of the actual like mini potty. Go Look in your hand right now. <laughs> I, have my, I have 10 top hat potties. Oh gosh, now I have to count the top hat potties too. I have two top hat potties. I have five of those. I have two other potty chairs. Wow. Oh, and one of them is at my mom's house now. So I also have a variety of seat reducers. But I mean, part of this is because what I do now, right? I use them as like teaching tools, but also because like we have a two-story townhouse and I'm I have baby gates all over the place because of the three kids and the dog. And so like I don't want to get through that while my kids like, I gotta go now. So yeah. we when we are ditching diapers or we're in the throes of potty training, we literally have a receptacle in like every room of the house. That's and That's that crazy. just That's works smart. for us. But so for you, like having it there in the dining room could be great. And also what I was saying about using it to your advantage, like if you're sitting him down to breakfast and like five minutes later, he starts like, you know, you could sit him down if you're, if you've got the nerves for it, you could sit him down without a diaper on and like not buckle him or whatever. And just like give him a small portion. And as soon as you like get that sense whether it's your intuition or you see it on his face that he's going to go you just pick him up and stick him on the pot mm -hmm. uh, and again turn your back like have zero investment of whether or not that poop gets in the potty because mm -hmm. you are starting to hand over the baton to him yeah. and starting to teach him like this is this is your thing cool and then the same with a car yeah. seat like leave 10 minutes early and drive around the block and offer a car potty be like oh i forgot something at 13 months, you don't have to make that kind of excuse. But if you're potty training, you're <laughs> be like, oh, mommy forgot her purse in the house, whatever. Pull back in and be like, hey, let's go potty. Mm -hmm. So I always have, that's the thing. That's why I have so many of these too, is I have mm -hmm. one in every vehicle that we have the kids in. Like my hatchback, we do it in the that's trunk. Mm -hmm. in, in the truck, we usually do it on the floor in the front seat or on the front seat. Wow. Um, you know, so like we just, there. when you go, I'm not there go. yet. Maybe one day. <laughs> Well, yeah. and when my youngest was 13 months, her big thing was she would say she was starting to say pee pee and she was signed. She was going like this. We do the shaking tea for toilet mm -hmm. for, from ASL. And she this was her sign. And so we'd have the mirror or her two siblings next to her being like, she has to go pee pee. That's so that was sweet. her way to try and get out of the car seat before she yeah. learned to say out. And so she would say pee pee and it would be like 30 seconds, two minutes, five minutes, whatever into a drive. Yeah. And my husband wanted to kill me. We drove 
what should have been an eight hour drive. It took us 12 hours because I decided like the week before we left on this vacation that we were ditching daytime diapers. And I was going to believe every time she said she had to go potty. Yeah. And she was just like ringing the bell. It's like dogs learning bell training. But it was (laughs) so important at that phase for me to believe she had to go potty so that she knew she could trust me. And she would hold it for us to get to the next exit or get to a safe place to pull over or whatever we were doing, you know. And so for at least that couple weeks, I believed it. And then as she learned that that's what was going to happen, I also put in that same concept, what I was talking about, not doing every easy catch. Like if she did a giant pee and 10 minutes later, she's just fussing in the car seat and crying and hating being there and wanting to get out and says pee pee. I'm like, you just went. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know you yeah. don't have to go again. Yeah. Maybe 45 minutes if you say it again and you're not passed out. Like, yeah, we'll okay. do it again. But just for that, like, first little bit, I believed it every time. So, the same thing when he's in the high chair. Oh. If he starts signaling to you in the high chair right now, believe it every time, okay. even if it makes breakfast take 45 minutes or whatever. Yeah. I really like that. Wow. You're such a great troubleshooter. And I feel like yes. these are very tactical changes I can start implementing like right like now. This, so. Yeah. <laughs> the one last thing I want to say before we wrap, because a pitfall that I experience because I am competitive and obsessive and I want to win yeah. <laughs> is yeah. that when we are going diaper free and we have her tiny undies on, I'm like, do not pee in those things. And so I'll, I'll. And how old is she? She's now 10 months. Okay. So she's not like signaling, but I know some of her signs and I'm really trying to learn the P signs, but yeah. those ones are so subtle sometimes. So when I see her like squat to play with the dogs, I'm like, <gasps> I run and I take her to the toilet and I get her yeah. pants down and I put her on it. And then like seven minutes later, we do the same thing. And then I realize like, oh God, I'm hovering. Like yeah. I'm running her to the potty too much. And you that's that fear, create, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's uh, I didn't realize it was the fear of like mis- making mistakes because here I am like mistakes are good. But <laughs> at the same time, I'm like, don't you dare pee in that thing. <laughs> so I think that's a, a good reminder is like when you're observing diaper free time or tiny undie time, don't obsess over it. Right. And, well, And again, those misses. So we, of course, always prefer an EC to call them a miss. It's not an accident. Right. Like, you, just, you missed it. You didn't catch it. It's right. fine. And it's Good. always a learning opportunity. Yeah. Sometimes for you, sometimes for her, sometimes for both. But right. either like, so at 10 months, she, you might, you might be really used to like a rhythm. Like maybe she pees every 45 minutes ish and you're yeah. like spidey sense is starting to tingle when it's getting close. So then you're hyper vigilant about that squatting mm-hmm. position or whatever. And she may have started consolidating her pees. So maybe it's now closer to like, 50 minutes an hour and so you have to kind of like you can run your own little test (laughs) like okay my my spidey sense is going but instead of just like offering her the potty or watching her like a hawk i'm going to see what happens and Mm -hmm. let it go a little bit longer you could always do a naked observation time or just Mm -hmm. in the tiny undies observation and like log her for a day again and see if that interval has stretched right but again those are one of the things that parents are like i don't know what happened it's just they're just growing they're again they're progressing the keys consolidate the poops start to usually usually not everybody the poops start to have some kind of like regularity right some Mm -hmm. kind of rhythm and yeah just you know the wet undies especially when they're starting to become potty independent are so important because 
the best way for your child to learn how long they can hold their pee is to hold it so long they can't anymore. Mm, wow. And I realized I was doing that with my youngest when we ditched diapers. Like I was like clockwork because I'm like doing this and all of a sudden, you know, I get that intuition. I'm like, oh, it's potty time. Like I'm making a meal and then it's potty time. And I realized how much I was taking her to the potty and not letting her initiate. Mm -hmm. And mm. so I was like, I want to hand these reins over. I don't want to be doing this forever. Mm. I really have to let let her lead. And part of that is letting them, you know, have those misses and letting them have those wet pants and figure that out and see how long they can hold it for. Mm -hmm. Smart. So it's mm, so hard to let that. go of. <laughs> this has been so great. <laughs> so yes, thank you. And thank you for working through all of our troubleshooting at the very beginning. Yeah. Tell our listeners where they can find you, your podcast, yeah. what, what resources you offer for EC and potty training and go through all that. For oh us. my gosh. We have so much we have. So go diaperfree.com is going to be your hub. It's going to link you to everything. You can get to tinyundies.com there as well, where you've got all the gear, but the books are there. You've got mini courses, digital courses, support groups. We have, if you go to go diaperfree.com slash start, you can do the free easy start guide which is mm -hmm. like just a little primer it's got like the four easy catches on it and you're maybe not ready to invest in the book and go full bore you're just dipping your toes in it that's a great place to start it gets you on our mailing list so you know and it's great too at the bottom of the mailing list you can pick i have a baby this age i have both i have you know and really mm -hmm. get the resources you need the podcast is great. It's godiverfree.com slash podcast. And I'm on there most of the time right now. Andrea's coming on for a few things. We just released her birth story with Marilyn yesterday. So exciting. that's up. It's really exciting. It was her third free birth. And that's wow. right. Long labor. So Impressive, yeah. Oh, bless I can't wait to hear it. Yeah. Well, I want to um, I want to mention too real quick for our listeners. We actually yeah. have the Go Diaper Free and Tiny Undies links on our website. Yes, we and do. if you use our code M-O-T-R in caps. You uh -huh. can get, so yeah, just go to momsofftherecordpod.com and you can click the resources tab at the top. It'll take you to our resources. And so there's yeah. two different ones. For Go Diaper Free, you can click our link. It'll get you 15% off any books and our courses with the code M-O-T-R. Mm -hmm. Or you can click on Tiny Undies. Those are the undies that April was referencing that Eden wears. Julian will wear some too. You can get $5 off of any item on Tiny Undies with the same code M-O-T-R. So check that out. We'll add it to our resources links as well. And Nicole, where can our listeners find you on social media? I am mostly on Instagram these days. I'm at the potty mama. So just that's yeah. it. No like punctuation or anything. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah. And so I'm on there. I do have a little bit of a link to a Facebook page too. It's just called the potty mama. And I'm mostly right now just doing like little reels and stuff. I like to always send up the diaper industry. <laughs> With different, you know, sassy, sassy commentary because it Love just, it. that's the thing. Yes. Like people just don't know. They don't. Right. And you know what? April and I, we, we thought we knew about all, you know, big pharma, big fertility, big tech, big food, big diaper, big diaper. you know, we yeah. didn't even, it didn't even cross our minds until we started researching about EC. So it's, thank you for speaking up about all the pitfalls yeah. of oh, yeah. the industry. Keep doing that. Mm -hmm. Yes, I love it. I that it's the same for me. You know, I got you asked me earlier, I realized I didn't answer it like my why like I got into EC 
because I wanted to have that extra connection with my child. I thought that was really cool, realizing that this is some instinct that they're actually born with. Yeah. And I studied, you know, behavioral ecology and stuff like that. So I'm always really interested in behavior. And mm. and I was like, well, why wouldn't I help them with this? This just makes so much sense to me. And then you fall, start to fall down that rabbit hole and finding out about all the corruption and just like the mm. fact that that they have it's almost like, you know, you've heard certain things like fast food is engineered for you to crave it. Like they've engineered the diapers for yeah. your child to need them and for you for to longer feel like you too. Need them. And then they're and, like, and oh, them. pull-ups. And then, you know, they're diapers. Next, right. It's like, yo, they're the same. They just don't have the little <laughs> I always have to throw it in there. Pull-ups are diapers, folks. Yeah. Pull-ups are diapers. moms. They're the yeah. same. <laughs> yes, they are it's the same. So they, 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 they have, you know, fooled parents into thinking that your child will think that they're a big kid now because they can pull them up. They're going to charge you more money for them to be that style. Yeah. And it's just like pull up, pull up your underwear if you can. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. So, yeah, we, we could talk about that, Nicole. We could go you down a whole bunch of rabbit holes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Yeah. This is awesome. Thank um, you so man, much, Nicole. Thank so much for having oh. me on. Yeah, and just one last quick thing, too. When you get into the resources there, like, follow the links here for Moms Off the Record podcast for sure, because you definitely want to get that discount. And then you can also find the Coach Finder, because if you – want to have a coach if you want to work with somebody if you're you've got you know some troubleshooting that you feel like you just need more of that personal touch we've got them all over the world and there's also an opportunity to become a coach so feel free to like Ooh. hit me up on social media or whatever you cool. just need to have three months experience e-seeing personal experience e-seeing you don't have to teach the potty training if you don't want to that's kind of my favorite part of it but yeah you can reach out to any of our coaches at any time on there and and get the cool. support you need and some of them even still have groups which is pretty cool that's great how fantastic ah oh, wow. so moms don't wait to start just start with one easy catch today tomorrow but don't put first yes. high yes not off drugs off catch yes <laughs> Hello, listeners. We want to thank you so much for tuning in to Moms Off the Record. It's thanks to you that we have such a loyal and growing community of like-minded moms, and your support means the world to us. There are countless complimentary ways to show your support, such as leaving us a written review on Apple Podcasts, a rating on Apple, Spotify, or whichever platform you use to listen to MOTR, and sharing a favorite episode or Instagram post across your social channels and directly with your network. Anything to help us boost our algorithm to reach more moms like us. Additionally, you can help to support our efforts to bring you the highest quality, uncensored, and in-demand content by making a financial contribution. Head to momsofftherecordpod.com and click support us in the drop-down menu. Truly, even $5 goes such a long way. Also, be sure to check out our affiliate codes, which you can find in our Instagram story highlights and on our website at the top of the resources tab for discounts across some of our favorite brands. These products and services have been carefully vetted by Kat and I, and we cannot imagine living our crunchy mom lifestyle without them. Your support goes such a long way, and we cannot thank you enough. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. You can also follow us at Moms Off the Record Pod on Instagram or send us an email at momsofftherecordpod at gmail.com. 
We love to hear from you. We love to engage with you. And though we may have our hands full, we do read every single message. Until next time, mamas.